Let me read this with you. So we're going to be in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5. Before I read the real Sermon of the Mount, I'm going to read this one for you. I think this is the one that we actually put a lot of stock in today. The Kingdom of the World Sermon of the Mount. So see which one of these speaks to you. Blessed are the self-confident, for they can accomplish anything. Blessed are the excited, for they are doing awesome. <laughs> right? When we think of blessed, this is what we think. Blessed are those who do what they have to do to win. So talk about business world, right? Or sports. Who's a sports fan in here? So I'm thinking of the Houston Astros right now. Blessed are those who do what they have to do to win, for they are unstoppable. Too soon, right? Too soon. I'm an Astros fan, so I actually love them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for success, for they will get it. Blessed are those who get even. So some of us have the vengeance gene in us. Not all of us. I think it's 50% from studies that I've read. Blessed are those who, who get even, for nobody can push them around. Who's that, who's that in here? Who has that vengeance gene? Who just naturally wants to get back? Blessed are those, that, we're almost finished with these, blessed are those who look good, for they will impress others. I, th I think of, well, I won't, I won't go into my whole list about that one. And two more. Blessed are those who stir up the, the action, for they get lots of attention. And blessed are those who are safe, for they will be comfortable. Right? Like, you could, you could go into a whole list of blessings that I think that, that we think of when we think of this world today. You know, blessed are, and then, and then we get to define it however we want. You know, blessed are, are, like back in my corporate days, blessed are those who like got the big corporate bonuses for building amazing software that regulated, you know, our power plants. Like we were, we felt blessed like that December when we all got the, buy our new truck our king ranch you know ford pickup trucks and sports cars it was awesome and you felt blessed today's series we're starting off it's called the counterintuitive kingdom and it's it's essentially what we're going to dive into and, and it isn't meant to be a downer these are literally words from jesus christ as he went up on the mountain and he shared with his disciples and he shared with the crowds that were following them. And he spoke loudly. Like when we read these scriptures and I did a lot of back study, it was like he spoke loudly. So he wasn't just talking to the 12 plus. He was literally wanting this whole crowd of people that were hearing him. We're actually going to read the counterintuitive words of Jesus Christ talking about what it means to be blessed. And so if that other list felt a little funny to you or it, or it made you squirm a little bit, I, th I think there's good reason for that. That's also in our um, this week's group discussion guide. So each week, so you guys know, we're going to be posting like some small group um, Bible study or discussion guides you can do with friends, you can do with your family and your homes. This We're trying to figure out creative ways for our church to um, minister and walk with those that aren't, that aren't able to come here on Sunday. So... We're, we're saying, hey, meet in your home, have a study, have food, and um, those who you're socially distanced with, you know, just get in the Word with us. So let me get started. Matthew 5, for real, says, I'm going to read it for us. Seeing the crowds, He went up unto the mountain, and when He sat down with His disciples, His disciples came to Him, 
And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom in heaven. So it sounds a little bit different than what we just read, doesn't it? Well, I'll explain each of these in a moment. Let me just read all of them for us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is Jesus speaking. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So in, this, in these scriptures, it's like the, the first thing that came to my mind, and I don't know if you guys um, have heard this one, but it's Matthew 20, 16. So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Like it's this, it's this whole paradox of faith of our walk. It's this counterintuitive of, of like kind of what I tell you guys all the time. It's not, it's not about me, right? Like I'm not, I'm not, I promise I'm not a perfect guy who's got it all together who's like living this sinless life like it's I'm not ask some of the dudes that are around me that are holding me accountable like I'm constantly like giving them like my thoughts and my hearts and they're and they're giving me truth back like we we are in this paradox it's counterintuitive that Christ is the only perfect one and that we we are just simply trying to live according to his word and his will the first shall be the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And I'll explain more of that in a minute. We live according to the Spirit. So we live, those who profess to be Christians, followers of Christ, like we have to, I think what this whole Sermon on the Mount is all about is I don't want you, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live by your emotions. Like, I don't want you to live by your fears. I don't even want you to live by what you were taught in this world, right? Like, an eye for an eye, right? Like, I mean, I, I am having to stay away from social media as much as I possibly can right now because I, I'm a very expressive person and I'm trying not to get in trouble. And I actually don't have a side. Like, I'm, I'm on neither side. I'm for the truth and for love. And even if you're for truth and for love, like what do you want to do on, online right now? You, you just want to share your mind about what you feel is true and what you feel is the most loving thing. And even that will get you in trouble today. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. We, Christ is asking us, He's telling us, the best way to live this life is according to Spirit. And right, like the first line in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll get to in a second, is, is not your spirit, but mine. Like, not your spirit, but mine. So, again, Jesus is speaking to a large following. He's speaking to a crowd. He's speaking to disciples. Um, he's talking loudly. And He's talking to a group of people that, essentially, um, they're from this Jewish faith. 
and they've 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 devoted their entire life to the first essentially the first five books of the Bible Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy and it's called the Torah the Pentateuch along with the Ten Commandments from Moses and they've committed their lives to say I'm going to live perfectly to what these books say I've memorized them I'm going to live my life perfectly and I'm going to follow these commandments to the best of my ability and Jesus he's kind of saying I'm not detracting from those I'm actually adding to them. So this is what's in the mind of these people on the hill. Am I eligible to enter Messiah's kingdom? Am am I qualified? Am I righteous enough? Am I good enough? And these last ones, because they lived under the Torah and the, the Ten Commandments, there's often this feeling of I'm not good enough. Like there was often this feeling like I've sinned too much. Like, I may not make it. Like there's a, and so he's speaking to thousands of people on this hill and the disciples. To people who, who actually earnestly in their faith want to get to the kingdom, who love God, but still don't feel like that they're good enough. Does that sound like anybody? Like, I've spent my whole life, most of my life, and I'll tell you, I've shared with the hiring team here, like I turned down three student pastor positions in my life because I never felt good enough. I'm like, no, you don't know me. Like, you don't know the household that I grew up in. You don't, you don't know the things I've done in my life. And I turned them down because why? Because I never felt good enough. This is why Christ gives us the Sermon on the Mount. So let me start now. Matthew 1, 1 through 12 again. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went on the mountainside and he sat down. He sat down because this was Jewish custom and tradition. It wasn't this thing that we have in Western culture where I'm, where I'm standing on this platform like speaking Scripture. It was in the Jewish culture, they sat down together and they conversed about Scripture and they talked about, they talked about what it really meant and they chewed on it together. He saw the crowds, he went to the mountainside and he sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And then he said, let's continue, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's, he's talking about, I am content. Like he's not saying, blessed are you because you're sad or you're down. He's actually saying, blessed are those who are content. Who are, have you had one of those days where you, you wanted, you wanted like your flesh or your emotion, like your spirit wanted something so bad, but yet you knew it probably wasn't God's will. Like in, and he's trying to say, when you are full of, of my spirit, of the Holy Spirit, like you are going to be blessed. Because when you're full of me, I promise you're going to have peace. And I promise you're not going to be full of anxiety and fear and all of those things that you're carrying with you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is compassion. So when he talks about this, he's not, he's not saying, hey, you need to walk around sad all the time. Like you need to walk around with your head down. Like he's just saying, pick, pick your head up and look at what's happening around us. I mean, look right now around our country. Like if you, ha- if you haven't looked and watched the news and social media and you haven't mourned a little bit, I mean, that should stir something in you. Um, and, I, you know, I've gone through every grief, anger, like 
I've dismissed, like I've been through every emotion. They're probably, I mean, I wanted to pick up arms and go fight, like, you know, join some of our, I, I mean, I wanted to do all of it for, for both sides because I see, I see a lot of pain and a lot of people living in their own spirit, in their own flesh, and they're completely missing. They're completely missing the truth and love that Christ has brought to us. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is humility. And honestly, this is where we'll spend a lot of time in our message today. Humility. Over the last several months, um, even with, with what's been going on, I've had a chance to humble myself. You know, even here in our own town, like I've joined march and protests in favor of the of the what it means to say that black lives matter because they do. It doesn't mean that I agree with the organization, right? It doesn't mean that I agree with the Antifa and the terrorism and all of that that's happening. But I do want to stand with my brothers and sisters and say, of course, because all lives matter. And I know that's a controversial thing to say too, right? But as someone who loves, truly loves God and truly loves others, I should be able to say that. And I'm not making today political, by the way. I'm just speaking about humanity. I'm speaking about truth and love. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So if we're truly about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's basically to see the kingdom here on this earth. We do want to see justice served. Like I believe that this country was found on moral principles on it doesn't work as we talked about before our country doesn't work without christianity like it just doesn't and the more you try to separate it out like the more we're going to see what's happening on on the news today and by the way i hate to bear bad news but if we've read the book of revelation like it's it's coming and i don't i don't know when that will be i don't know if it's now so i'm not one of those guys who's going to tell you that i know but blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is about justice. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is about forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's really simple. Like, we can't have mercy. We can't show mercy unless we're able to forgive. And this is like forgiveness not just one time, it's not twice, it's 70 times 7, right? And it doesn't mean for those of you that have had to battle family and friends, um, what I'll say toxic relationships, it doesn't mean that you have to let those people back in your life. It doesn't mean that you have to have unhealthy people in your life. It just means to forgive. And that's, that's a whole other sermon for later, so I'll keep moving. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is about integrity. This is about being pure. It's about having a childlike faith, and I'll, I'll go more into that. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaker. Like, what do you think when you think of peacemaker? Like, would it, I want to challenge every person in this room, regardless of what you believe about what's happening in our country, regardless of what you believe is right and wrong in Portland, Oregon, right? Regardless of what you believe is right and wrong in, in Minnesota, or Seattle. Like, blessed are those who are peacemakers. Could, 
I believe if Christ was walking this earth today, He would challenge each of us to say, how would you, in my name, go and make peace in that city? Like, how would, how would each of us, what is our responsibility to make peace in our town? I believe it's to be as loving as we can, be as truthful as we can, and just be honest and say, guys, I don't have all the answers, but I know what I'm seeing is not right. And I think that we could, I actually believe, because I'm naive enough, I actually believe that we could work together to build a better future. And I think, so if you guys have seen the anger curve before, this is a quick, quick five-minute tip for, for marriage counseling or relationship counseling. When your spouse or, or someone else in your family gets super angry or a friend, you don't try to talk to them while they're at the top of the anger curve. Like, because that's the worst time to try to talk to somebody when they're angry. It's actually just going to get worse and your curve's going to get higher. Um, the best time to talk to somebody on that anger curve is when they've come over the curve and around a little bit and calmed down. Sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. Sometimes it takes a month. But I believe when we've gone through the anger curve, even in our own country, I believe I'm praying for unifying conversations. Like I am praying that we actually can talk about what Martin Luther King brought so many years ago, that there can be and is true equality. And what does that mean? And how can we be a part of it? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is sacrifice. This is sacrifice. So when Jesus came and He sat down on the mountain with His disciples and that whole crowd, and He shared with them, like, like He shared stuff. And this is what we're going to be talking about in this series. And I promise I'll make next week more fun. Like this one's actually a little, a little tough to make exciting and fun. So I'm just I'm preaching it for what it is. Like he shared this, I don't want you to worry about, am I going to make it into the kingdom? Like the kingdom's yours. I don't want, you don't have to earn your way. You don't have to like do anything to earn like his grace. Jesus was saying, you already have it. Like I'm here and my sacrifice is coming soon. He was basically trying to tell them, blessed are you who are willing to be last. Because the last people on this earth, in this world, and it's so counterintuitive, it rubs us all the wrong way, especially leaders. Blessed are those who are last, for you shall be first. Like, blessed are those of us who will serve one another. Who, I actually had to do some consulting with a, a pastor in San Diego. And so he flew Myra and I out there one time. And we're enjoying San Diego on like a Valentine's weekend. So it was kind of a double bonus, right? I, I got to sell her on the fact that we're going on this cool Valentine's weekend getaway in, in San Diego, California. It was incredible, but I also had to do some consulting to earn the trip. And in that town, there's a lot of protesting against things that church believe, right? The truth from Scripture in the Bible. There's a ton of protests, and they'll do it right in front of the church, like hundreds, you know, and sometimes thousands of people protesting angrily, angrily in front of your church. And my job was to help help come up with a plan for how, how do you how does the church deal with these things? Like how do we deal with these things? The plan was, and it worked phenomenally, is you go march with them. You take them water on a hot day. And you tell them how much God loves them. Because he does. It doesn't like 
because I'm loving to somebody who hates me and doesn't believe what the Bible says, doesn't mean I have to be hateful back, right? And the news could not figure out how to cover that story. <laughs> like all the local news media was like, uh, there was this march against biblical principles in front of this church, and the church came out and gave them water and just had conversations with them, got to know their names, right? And made them human because they are. Spurgeon says, He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He does not hunger and thirst for his own political party. This is so many years ago, by the way. <laughs> thirst that his own political party gets into power, but he hungers and thirsts that righteousness may be done in the land. He does not hunger and thirst that his own opinions may come to the front and that his own sect or denomination may increase in number and influence, but he does desire that righteousness may come to the fore. It's, it's not about all these worldly things, guys. And, and every now and then when we, cut, when we get caught up in, like we're about to vote, right? Like we're about to vote in our primary elections, you know, for our senators. We're about to vote for our president in November. And, and please vote, like everybody please vote. I think that's, that's how we, as, as we live in a free country, get to have a voice. I mean, that's our system. You won't ever hear, hear who to vote for from this pulpit because that's not our job. That's between you and God and chewing on the Word together. And, and there's a reason why He leads us in those ways. But it's not about our own political party winning. It's about righteousness being done on this earth as it is in heaven. And He wants to use us to do that. Blessed are you, and this is, I'll finish it up and, and turn a corner here. Blessed are you, and this is verse 11, when people insult you. How many people have been insulted in here? At least a couple times. Even by our own spouses, I think sometimes we, we get each other when, especially when we're building woodsheds out in the backyard, from what I hear. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't say his name. He knows who it is. Be praying for you guys. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's saying, guys, like if they're going to hang Christ and put him on the cross and persecute him and kill half of the disciples, right? They're certainly going to persecute us Christians at some point. And they're certainly going to call us names, and it's okay. We don't need to call them names back. Just give them a bottle of water. Pray for them. You know, maybe even invite them over for your Christmas party. You know, is what we call is good neighboring. You know, love God and love others, right? Love your neighbors. Pray for those who do evil against you. Psalm 112, 1-3 says this, Blessed is the man and woman who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments, their offspring will be mighty, mighty in the land. The generation of upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their house and their righteousness endures forever. The kingdom of God is also called the kingdom of heaven. In Christianity, the spiritual realm, this is what we're talking about today, letting, letting the Holy Spirit like own us and lead us like truly the spiritual realm over which God reigns as king or the fulfillment of the earth of God's will. 
The kingdom of heaven is what Christ was trying to point us to. He's trying to point us to God. He's trying to point us to what it means to live in His grace. And He's constantly trying to tell us what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven. So here's the counterintuitive part. How we think of God in heaven determines everything. It determines our understanding of the reality of this. The humble are first in line. The humble. Those of us that are the most humble, even in our marriages, I've, it's taken me 23 years to learn this. Just, just because like I understand certain things doesn't mean I know everything about life. Like God gave me an amazing woman to balance out our marriage. Because if it's, think about it this way, if our marriage was just 100% all what Larry wants, like that's a little crazy, <laughs> right? Like it would be a lot of mountain climbing, a lot of backcountry like camping, a lot of like I'm an outdoors guy, so everything outdoors is awesome. Like I spend all of our money on vacations, so if you, I drive the worst car possibly I can so that I can go on the best vacation I can. That's, that's my life philosophy. Like, I give everything we have away because I have the, the gift and curse of generosity. Like everything. I'll give you everything. And Myra's my, my wise voice where she says, honey, we don't, we don't have to give like everything away. Like, can we have some food for the kids in our family this week too? And it, it is true. We're all built differently. Like God is, God has given us each other. It's, it's not, and once I figured out, Larry, you have to humble yourself. And you've got to let like the rest of your family speak up and do let's do this life together. Myra's voice is just as powerful as my voice is. And I promise you, we've fought way less now that I've finally said, you know what? Like she's actually saying something really meaningful, and I need to listen. I need to listen. How many of you are there? The humble are first in line. It's the same in our organizations. Gone is the day in the corporate world. Well, maybe it still exists in the corporate world where you get to run each other over and, and the, the person who makes the most money wins. Like that's, you know, or does the biggest deal wins. And I guess that still makes it out in our marketplace. But I'll say this, the guys, the men and women, even in the corporate world that I watched, the ones that were humble and serving are the ones that really, that really had that long game. The ones that were truly like it wasn't all about benefiting them. It was about truly benefiting the rest of the company and, and everyone around them. It was humility. And they won the long game. So you can probably win the short game when you're not humble. But the humble are first in line. Proverbs 3, 7-8 says this, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So I'm going to read a parable now. This is like a fun parable for, for this whole idea of counterintuitive kingdom. It's what we're talking about. Luke 18, 9-14 says, this is but the parable of the tax collector. I'll start in verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness, look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable, and this is to another crowd of, of Pharisees or people who were trying to be religious. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like robbers. I'm not like evildoers. I'm not like adulterers. 
Can we say this? I'm not, I'm not like people who are tearing down statues in our country. Like I'm not like a murderer. I'm not like, I mean, you name it. Name, name somebody that you've compared yourself to. God, I thank You that I'm not like those people. Or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. And then the tax collector stood at a distance. He's not even anywhere near. And he, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. And he said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And Jesus said, and this is how the counterintuitive kingdom works. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Like guys, I just want to say, like, uh, and and I, I forget who said it recently, but I loved it because I shared this one scripture almost at it, um, it many funerals that I've done over the years. It's this one scripture, and it talks it's a story about the the thieves on the cross next to Christ. And the one thief says, "Please remember me. Remember that he says, please remember me when you get to when we get to, when you get to heaven." And Jesus says, "What?" He says, I promise you on this day you will receive paradise. And you will be with me in paradise. That's incredible. Like that's how this whole counterintuitive kingdom works. Like none of us get to say, I lived it better. Like I did it better. Like I sinned less. <laughs> like none of us get to say, like blessed is me because I got the most trophies or blessed is me. Like none of us get to say that. But if all of us say, you know what, Christ, like you're the reason why. Like because you died on that cross. Like the whole reason why we gather in the church is because of what Christ did for us. The whole reason why we get to serve and go and be a light to our community is because what Christ did for us. Like, so I don't know if some of you, I don't know if some of you, you know, brought some heavy stuff in with you today. I don't know where everyone's at in this room. Like, I don't know if you fully have said, like, like, I want a life of freedom and of peace, and I'm tired of being angry at what I see on the news, or I'm tired of carrying this stuff around and, and wanting to see vengeance or wanting to see justice. Like, I think, guys, time, it's time to, like, all that aside and say, God, your kingdom on this earth. Like, your will be done. Like, I, I'll humble myself for you to just show me what you'd want me to do as someone who claims to love you. Childlike qualities are required to receive the kingdom. Childlike qualities. Jesus said many radical things, but this one, and I'm getting to the finish line, and then we'll invite, we'll invite the band back. But it says, Jesus said many radical things, but this one may be the most radical Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That's Luke 18, 17. And it's just a cool reminder because why? Because as we as adults get what? We get a little more cynical each year that goes by. Like, have you ever, have you ever tried to talk to your granddad or grandma about, about an opinion about things? And my grandmother is probably the, and I, I could say this, and, and our family's all over the spectrum politically, by the way, but let me just say this. She is the most, 
She is very left, very democratic. She came from our education system, and she is on fire opinionated. And it is awesome because in our, fa- in our family get-togethers, there's no rule about no religion, no politics, right? So our family loves politics. We love religion, and we are like, we're, and we love each other. We somehow survive all of it. Like, it's not some mean, hateful thing that happens. Like, but we, I think we all should have been lawyers, I think. We all love to debate and talk about truth and what's right. And what's cool, what makes it fun, is we all follow Christ. Childlike qualities are required. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So those of us, the older we get, my point is, we form so many opinions, and we get a little bit or a lot of bit cynical. And it's finally, it's time to say what Christ was trying to tell us. is like, hey, just set those aside especially now, right? And just love one another. Especially now as the, the COVID virus is hitting our area. And we've, you know, we've been in lockdown for what, seven months already? I, it feels like a year. Like especially now, let's just be loving. Because it's, as we're watching what's happening on the news, there's a very good conversation happening there about is everyone in our country truly equal? Separate it from the terrorism, I'll call it that, that's happening. There still is a very good conversation happening there that I think that we as Christians could be a part of. I'll read this last Scripture and then leave you with a thought. Matthew 16, 24-25 says, Then Jesus told His disciples, If anyone wants to come after Me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Like guys, I'm, I, know, I know this is kind of a complicated message and it's all over the place. And I kind of like kicked myself and said, Larry, do you really want to do the Sermon on the Mount message? It's your first message back from vacation. And I think it's good though. I think it's good sometimes to say, hey, am I really in a humble position? Like, am I really in a position to love others? And God, like, used me to love, like, our people in this city, in this town. So I just, I want to challenge each of you. If you have never done it, if you haven't done it in a while, um, pray this with me here in a moment. And let's just, let's just say, God, I, I am humbling myself. I'm giving all of myself to you. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for a challenging message, a challenging word from your son about just being humble. God, we count ourselves last. We're here to serve. Please show us the way. Please show us how to love our communities, love our neighbors. Father, show show us how to be strong in truth and love with those who want to fight against all that is good right here in our own country. We want to be used by You. Father, I, I thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And I, I pray that each one of us in this room right now resubmits to that truth, the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ once again. 
He is the only way that we get to have the kingdom. Father, thank You for forgiving us. Thank You for leading us. Thank You for Your grace. We love You in Jesus' name. Amen.